I thank God for all who have led us in worship today. We're in a sermon series called Give Me Jesus. And we're looking at various passages in the New Testament Gospels that can show us different things and help us to learn new things about Christ our Lord. Today we're going to look at a brief passage from Matthew 23. I'll read verses 23 through 24 from the New Revised Standard Version. And the title of the sermon is Jesus' Priorities. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint, dill, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. It is these you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. <laughs> Let us pray. Lord God, in this preaching moment, I simply ask that you would help me to speak your word, help them to hear your word, and Lord, help us all to do your word. I pray in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. Welcome to Matthew 23. This is not baby Jesus cooing in the manger at Christmas time. This is not gentle Jesus welcoming the little children to sit upon his knee. This is not sympathetic Jesus weeping with Mary after Lazarus dies. This is impolite Jesus telling the unvarnished truth. This is fired up Jesus facing down fraudulent religion. This is Jesus in full-on prophet mode. Keep in mind that he is a Jew speaking to Jews about Jews. As such, he's critiquing certain expressions of his own tradition, not denouncing another tradition. He thus inspires modern-day Christians to turn the critical eye upon our own discipleship within the church while fully avoiding any hint of anti-Judaism or anti-Semitism. At the most basic level, Jesus' discourse throughout Matthew 23 constitutes a fierce takedown of hypocritical religion. Do what the scribes and Pharisees teach you, he says, but do not do what they do, for there's a disconnect between their words and their actions. There's an inconsistency between their lectures and their lives. There's a disparity between their declarations and their deeds. There's a, an incongruity between their principles and their practices. The discrepancy is so flagrant, in fact, that Jesus applies the term hypocrite, which means actors. Years ago, when I visited Jesus' hometown of Nazareth in the Holy Land, a guide showed us an area that was an ancient theater. 
Perhaps Jesus encountered theatrical productions growing up and thus learned about hypocrites from an early age. Back then, actors held up masks in front of their faces to play a role. They were literally two-faced. They were one person to the audience and another person altogether behind the mask. Jesus deploys the term hypocrite to rebuke disingenuous believers who turn religion into a charade, who turn piety into piousness, who turn spirituality into showbiz. They're the spiritual equivalent of a house with a magnificent facade and a dilapidated interior. They're the spiritual equivalent of a shiny red apple that's rotten to the core. While none of us is a flawless practitioner of our own noblest ideals, it is vital to basically align our behavior with our beliefs. Most Christians know this, and few are deliberately hypocritical or strategically hypocritical. Hypocrisy more often results from the maximization of minor things that leads to the minimization of major things. You tithe mint, dill, and cumin, says Jesus, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. To tithe was to sacrifice one-tenth of the harvest to God. Bible scholar Eugene Boring notes that some passages seem to limit the tithe on agricultural produce to grain, oil, and wine while other scriptures appear to extend the tithe to include all agricultural produce. For example, Leviticus 27.30 says, All tithes from the land, whether the seed from the ground or the fruit from the tree, are the Lord's. Deuteronomy 14.22 adds, Set apart a tithe of all the yield of your seed. So in order to obey the law carefully, thoroughly, and meticulously, the scribes and Pharisees tithed not only sizable crops, such as corn and grain, but also dinky garden herbs, such as mint and dill. This rigorous tithing habit would not have been a problem in itself, except that it diminished their handle on the weightier matters of the law. Notice that Jesus regards some parts of the Bible as weightier than others. In Matthew 22, a chapter earlier, when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment in the Old Testament law is, he didn't say, well, they're all equal. No, he readily cited Deuteronomy 6.5, in Leviticus 19, 18, saying, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
Jesus teaches that there are weightier matters in Scripture which deserve more emphasis than the extraneous details. His specific charge against the hypocrites is that they neglect the weightier matters of justice, mercy, and faith. The Greek actually says the justice, the mercy, and the faith. Jesus is echoing Micah 6, 8. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? According to Jesus, these three prophetic ideals constitute the heartbeat of Scripture and the lifeblood of discipleship. Regrettably, the hypocrites cling so tightly to spiritual minutia that they lose their grip on the justice, the mercy, and the faith. The Greek says they let them go. It seems they've dropped them all together. You strain out a gnat, adds Jesus, but swallow a camel. In other words, they spend so much time, energy, and attention on petty technicalities of rigid religiosity that they forfeit the foundations of authentic discipleship. They confuse incidentals with fundamentals. Their priorities are all out of whack. They're like doctors painstakingly treating a paper cut while the patient dies from heart failure. The way to avoid getting things backwards like this in the Christian life is to magnify the justice, the mercy, and the faith. The way to avoid hypocritical religion is to practice the justice, the mercy, and the faith. The way to embody authentic discipleship is to enact the justice, the mercy, and the faith. The way to embrace Jesus' priorities is to punctuate the justice, the mercy, and the faith. Justice means treating other people fairly, rightly, and impartially especially persons who are vulnerable, disadvantaged, or marginalized. According to the 16th century reformer, John Calvin, to do justice is to observe what is equitable towards all. To do justice, therefore, is to rectify social wrong. To do justice is to advocate for persons suffering from injustice. To do justice is to make clean water and safe shelter available. To do justice is to supply food for people that need it. To do justice is to transform society so that persons of various skin tones, languages, and cultures are all treated with equity. Justice is not optional or incidental it's the first of Jesus's three priorities here we cannot follow Jesus without doing justice back in 2015 my friend David and I went with a group from our church on a mission trip to the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota we got to know many of the Lakota people there as we held Bible studies served community dinners, 
hosted a horseshoe pitching tournament and repaired people's homes. David met one Lakota man who was a veteran of the Marine Corps. They hit it off immediately because David himself is a proud veteran of the Marines. As the two men talked, David discovered that for whatever reason, the Lakota man was not receiving his veteran benefits. So David contacted the proper officials and advocated on the man's behalf. He worked with the man and his family to submit all the necessary paperwork. And before too long, the man began receiving his full veteran benefits. That's doing justice. Alongside justice is mercy. According to Bible scholar Rudolf Boltzmann, the Greek term signals the emotion roused when we come into contact with the affliction of someone else. In other words, mercy involves feeling the pain of others, empathizing with their predicament, and extending love accordingly. Mercy is compassion in action. Mercy is not unelective in the discipleship curriculum. It's a core requirement. Since Jesus showed merciful compassion for the masses, we cannot follow Jesus without showing mercy. When I was about 12 years old, my mom and I stopped at Bojangles one day for a bite to eat. While we were waiting in line, I noticed a man park his bicycle outside the restaurant and walk inside. He was wearing a backpack and was obviously impoverished. I watched surreptitiously as he walked through the restaurant and sat down at a table in the back corner without getting anything to eat or drink. I watched also as he displayed some peculiar mannerisms that seemed to make other customers uncomfortable. Mom and I ordered, got our food, and sat down at a table not too far from his. That's when Mom quietly told me that she had noticed the man and wanted to try to help him. And sure enough, she found a subtle way to offer him some cash so that he could get a meal. And I still vividly recall watching him go up to the register and order food and drink for himself. While the other customers reacted to the man with fear or apathy, mom was welling up with compassion and extending love. That's showing mercy. The final term in Jesus' triad of priorities is faith. Faith means to trust God. Specifically, the God revealed in and through Jesus Christ. The two terms that began this triad, justice and mercy, deal with social relations and pertain to the love of neighbor. But the third term deals with the divine human connection and pertains to the love of God. Faith signals dependence on God, confidence 
in God and relationship to God. Faith acknowledges the divine creator of all things and humbly submits. Faith is what distinguishes Christian practices of justice and mercy from other practices of justice and mercy. We don't think we can do justice and show mercy consistently or rightly without God's help. According to Isaiah 30, God is a God of justice. Therefore, when Christians do justice, we're not just seeking to do justice, we're seeking to do the justice of God. According to Exodus 34, God is a merciful God. Therefore, uh, Christians are not just seeking to show mercy. We're seeking to show the mercy of God. Our ethics have a theological basis. Our social engagement has a spiritual motivation. We do justice and show mercy to reflect who God is is to do God's will instead of our own will, to glorify God instead of glorifying ourselves, and to represent God's kingdom instead of the kingdoms of this world. Faith is the third of the three priorities, not because it's least important, but because it's the ultimate reason for the first two. Disciples of Jesus do justice and show mercy because we have faith in a just and merciful God. Back in 2021 at a family style restaurant in Orlando a waitress named Flavion Carvalho noticed something concerning. A family of a man and a woman and two children were all sitting at a table together, but the man and the woman and the little girl were on one side of the table, and the 11-year-old boy was on the other side by himself. Not only was he sitting by himself, but the other three were eating dinner, and he had nothing to eat. Ms. Carvalho observed bruising around the boy's eye and on his arm, as well as a cut on his nose. So she wrote a message in big letters on a sheet of paper and held it up where the little boy could see it. But none of the other people at the table could see it. The sign said, do you need help? Looking afraid, the little boy nodded. So Ms. Carvalho called the police. An officer soon arrived on the scene. They took the 11-year-old boy aside and began to ask him some questions. They observed that he was underweight and they discovered further bruising on his body. And eventually they learned that he was being abused by his stepfather, the 325-pound man that had been sitting across the table from him. The officers arrested the man on the spot and the boy and his sister were removed from the home and relocated to a safe place. Officials think Ms. Carvalho probably saved the boy's life. 
her intervention embodied justice as she advocated for someone who was vulnerable and being mistreated. Her intervention embodied mercy as she extended compassionate love to a stranger in distress. Her intervention embodied faith as well, for Ms. Carvalho later reflected, I was used like a tool of God to help him. That's what Jesus desires from his followers. To be used by God to make justice happen in society. To be used by God to show compassionate mercy to others. To be used by God to do God's will in this world. This is the difference between authentic discipleship and hypocritical religion. This is the difference between the way of Jesus and superficial spirituality. This is the difference between the Christian life and just a Christian-y life. It all boils down to pursuing Jesus's priorities. Following Jesus is not about whether we call scripture inspired or infallible or authoritative. It's about the justice, the mercy, and the faith. Following Jesus is not about whether we wear casual clothes or suits or dresses to church. It's about the justice, the mercy, and the faith. Following Jesus is not about whether we call the Lord's Supper a sacrament, a ritual, or an ordinance. It's about the justice, the mercy, and the faith. Following Jesus is not about whether baptism is conducted by sprinkling, or pouring, or dunking. It's about the justice, the mercy, and the faith. Following Jesus is not about whether worship music is played on an organ, a guitar, or a piano. It's about the justice, the mercy, and the faith. The following Jesus is not about whether the sermon is scholarly, expository, extemporaneous, or narrative. It's about the justice, the mercy, and the faith. The following Jesus is not about whether the church is run by bishops, or elders, or ministers, or deacons. It's about the justice, the mercy, and the faith. The following Jesus is not about the sleekness of the church logo, the eloquence of the church mission statement, or the aesthetics of the church website. It's about the justice, the mercy, and the faith. Following Jesus is not about whether we worship in a cathedral, a sanctuary, or a warehouse, or a gym, or a storefront, or out in the field somewhere, or in somebody's living room. It's about the justice, the mercy, and the faith. Following Jesus is not about fastidiously striving to adhere to every single verse and every single chapter of every single book in the entire Bible. It's about the justice, the mercy, and the faith. Committing to Jesus' priorities can stifle hypocrisy. It can authenticate spirituality. It can validate the church. And it can rectify society as we humbly walk with God in the way of Jesus our Savior. It's all about the justice, the mercy, and the faith. Amen.